0: I was growing up, I would go through stages and seasons of life in which I wanted to be or who I wanted to be when I grew up would continuously shift. And so coming right out of the gate, I wanted to be a mechanic. I wanted to be the kind of person that could put their hands on something that was broken and fix it. With that being said, don't ever let me near your car. The next thing that my my mind quickly shifted to was the obvious choice, Spider-Man. That was the coolest thing ever. Um, Again, there's a problem that I hate spiders so much. And so then I continued to shift, and what would... Is that me? Am I good? Oh, thanks, Corey. My mind continued to shift, and NBA player was the next obvious choice. Um, and I loved basketball, and I wanted to be a great basketball player, and that's that, te- that seemed to be the route that was required. Um, and then when I got near high school and we started doing all of these um, career testing and things like that, um, they were all wrong. Like they, they always wanted me to be something that I didn't want to be. Um, but when you Google like average salaries, the, the next one for me was chiropractor. I figured, you know, they, they have a pretty cushy life, I would think. And the odds of running into a life or death scenario are pretty slim. That seemed like a safe choice. seemed like a safe choice. And so I'm going to throw out a couple things today um, for you kiddos that I would like for you to discuss with your parents. If you're not a kiddo, you can still discuss. Okay? Um, so here, here's the thought: Is who do you want to be when you grow up? Who do you want to be? So you guys got 30 seconds. Go for it. Talk to your parents. Who do you want to be? wanted to be a mechanic, Spider-Man, MBA player, chiropractor, none of which happened, but I think I'm doing okay. But after opening this morning in worship, I think that if there's one thing that I could have said that I would have liked to have been, it's good. Just as God is good. Wouldn't it be amazing if who I grew up to be was good? And see, that's the design that God has for our lives. That's the thing that he wishes for us, is that we would walk in step with him and that we would be his perfect reflection. We would be the perfect reflection of his image. That just as he is good, we would be good. Just as he is perfect and complete and finished and whole, we would be those things. That we would be good. You see, that is the life that God has designed for us. I think that's what we should want. But here's the struggle for us so often is that sometimes we know exactly what we want and we have no idea how to get it. But I have the answer. Discipline, discipline, discipline. See, I don't don't know what you guys think of when you think of discipline, but sometimes what comes to mind for me this chains, this heaviness, this weight, this restriction, this limitation, that I'm bound to do the things that I would really rather like to do. So there's your next question, kiddos. What is discipline? Discuss that with your parents. 30 seconds, ready, go. It's quiet because you're all scared. No, stop, quit, don't do that. What have you done? Why are you like this? Is that what discipline is? Is that what you view it as? Is that what you've experienced? See, the thing about God is that He's a God that's constant and consistent. And I think oftentimes when we look at discipline, we think of restriction, we think of limitation. We think of punishment. But I want to throw some Old Testament thoughts at you here. The thing about God is he's consistent and constant. And so when we look at the Old Testament, his character has remained the same. And when we look at Moses, when God offered discipline, when he gave Moses the law, all of these rules that sometimes we view as restriction and limitation I want to I point out that that discipline was offered from a God of freedom. You see, because the Israelites were given this law immediately after what? Immediately after God demanded their freedom from Egypt immediately after God met their cry to be relieved of oppression and slavery. You see, this discipline is offered by a God of freedom, and that is his heart in this, is that the Israelites would walk freely in relationship with him, free from distraction, free from oppression, free from slavery, and that is God's demand. His cry for his people is, Pharaoh, let my people go. Let them be free. And I think that that's still his cry today. That God demands and cries out for us, Fear, let my people go. Worry, let my people go. Shame, let my people go. Pain, depression, addiction, division. Devil, let my people go. So that they can leave, live freely in the life that I've designed for them. That they can walk with me. You think your favorite professional athlete? On a day like today, most of you are probably thinking of Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, somebody wearing a Chiefs uniform. Would it be reasonable for us to expect someone like that, someone like Patrick Mahomes, to achieve his goal of becoming a professional football player without ever putting in practice? Would it be reasonable for us to expect Patrick Mahomes to be able to throw the way he does, with accuracy, with strength, without ever throwing a rep in practice, without ever picking up a football, without ever challenging his body or practicing his mind? Would it be reasonable for us to expect him to achieve that goal without ever giving it work, effort, energy, time, or discipline? No. I think that would be absolutely insane. Here's the proof I'm not Patrick Mahomes. Okay? So, why would it be any different for us to set a goal to be perfect as not just Patrick Mahomes, but as God is perfect, to be holy, to be good as He is good? How ridiculous would it be for us to set that as our goal? and never do anything. That's not who God is. He walks with us. Jesus is teaching and guiding us. It's a journey of growth with him so that when we fail, which is inevitable, he's there to pick us up. When we fall short, he's there to mend that gap. When we fall and are broken and we deal with that brokenness, he's there to heal us. When we fail, we fail forward. When we walk with Jesus, if we fall, when we fall, we fall at his feet. Because we are not alone. You see, Jesus lays this out. He gives us this discipline to achieve this life. And then he says, follow me. Because the blueprint is to follow him. The goal is to follow Jesus. He says, walk like me. He says, talk like me. Pray like me. Love like me. Fast like me. Live like me. Because if we spend time with him, we will become like him. Because that's true of everyone that we spend time with, yeah? I've heard it before from my mom several times now that if you hang out with a skunk, you're going to (laughs) stink. It's a brutal truth, that's how it goes. And it's true. When we spend time with people, we become like them. Our words, our phrases, our facial expressions, our dislikes, our hobbies begin to reflect them. And here's a for instance for you. When I married my wife, I was unaware of the common language of her household. And so I was unaware that you could use flatulence for almost any word in the English language. And so they commonly replace lots of things with the word fart. I don't understand how it works. I don't get it. I don't, I don't particularly know what they're farting talking about. But it rubs off. If you spend time with my dad, you'll notice that almost every time he opens in prayer, he refers to God as most gracious heavenly father which has such and and a rich and a lie. God, God for so to you holy, God, but so full of grace. And that image wears off. I have a solution. Spend more time with me. <laughs> You'll get there. You see, we become who we are around. And that's what Jesus wants. Jesus wants followers of him. He wants people seeking his teaching and desiring to be like him. Because that is what is—that's the discipline, that's the practice—and Jesus begins to address this. You see, oftentimes when we look at these, when when Jesus says, "Do what I do," we look at these and we label them. These are spiritual disciplines. Things for prayer. It's because the disciples asked him in private. They seek his wisdom for a couple reasons. One, because at this time it would have been common for a disciple to ask a rabbi. Teach me to pray. Not just simply so that they would know a new prayer, but they would know the prayer of their teacher, so that they could speak like him. The disciples wanted it, they wanted to be like him. And to blame him, I mean, can you imagine walking next to that guy and seeing that kind of good just flat off a person? To see that kind of healing, the sign, the miracles, the love, the grace, the ordinary things, like unconditional kindness, his presence, the way that he's people that everybody doesn't see. Can you imagine walking alongside that? Would you want it? Because that's what Jesus asks of us—that we would, his followers—that would seek him to seek his teachings. To be like him something bigger something eternal how, how do we do? and this is where the disciplines come in because spiritual disciplines are the path to god's design they're the simple how to god's design for us to be like him and so let, let's just take a peek at the lord's prayer and and kind of flesh out how jesus intends for us to pray This is what he says. He says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. You see, Jesus praise this prayer that I think we can break down into six petitions. Six things that that are a shout for us. A petition for us. A cry out to God. And the the first three are entirely focused on God. Entirely focused on who He is. Our Father in Heaven. Recognizing where He is and, and that that place is worthy of Him. Hallowed be Your name. You are so holy. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Not mine, but yours. These first three are all about God. And then the next three focus more on our needs. Give us our daily bread. The things that our body, our mind, our spirit, our emotions, these things that we need today. Provide for us. Forgive us for when we fall short because we often do. And then lead us not just to where we are, but to where you desire us to be. I think here, there are six petitions in two directions. The first three are all about God, bring heaven down. And the next three are all about God, lift us up. That we would meet God in his kingdom in this beautiful collision. Because that's what prayer is about. Prayer is about closing the gap. Prayer is about reconciliation. Prayer is about relationship. Those of you have that have some kind of relationship, this is everybody, okay? Tell me how that would work without communication. Tell me how how hard that is without communication. Here's a for instance. Try being married without communication. Good luck. Good luck. That's been a learning experience for me. I was definitely not a talker, and then I got married, and God is teaching me amazing things. <laughs> parenting. Try parenting without communicating. How is your child ever supposed to do what you ask of them if they never hear you ask it of them? Siblings. I feel like this would resolve lots of disputes. Simply tell them, please don't not be in my room if I'm not in there. That way, if they are, you're justified in smacking them. Yes? That's a joke, kind of. Okay? Maybe it's a stranger. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's traffic. Tell me how traffic works without signs, without blinkers. Tell me how that works. The last time that somebody slammed on their brakes and turned and never blinked once, what did you feel in your heart right then? Did you feel an abundance Of confidence that that relationship was going to be strong? No. You see, because relationships require communication. And this is what God desires of us that we would talk to Him, that we would communicate Him, that we would close the gap. Because that's what He desires, is to close the gap. And so here's a couple thoughts from people much wiser than me Prayer is all the ways in which we communicate and commune with God. It's all about deepening intimacy. The goal is to draw near. Here's another one. To pray is to change. Prayer is the central avenue God uses to transform us. Because he instructs. We ask, God, how can we be like you? And then listen. And he says, try this and let me do it with you. Try this and let me do it with you. Because I think that's the catch of prayer that we so often cruise right by is sometimes we get really, really, really good at talking at God and we never stop to listen for the other side of the conversation. You see, communication is a two-way street. And so what would our prayer look like if we asked of God and then we stopped moving our lips? I often tell my junior high basketball students and even students in youth group, God gave you two ears yeah and how many mouths just one gosh i wonder if that's on purpose prayer is us coming together with god to know him to love him and to be transformed by him and then jesus moves right on into the next thought and he's he speaks to the spiritual discipline of fasting and this one kind of is confusing sometimes partially I think because we don't like it and anything we don't like we instantly make complex and so let God speak simply to you in this I think sometimes fasting is about removing the distractions of the body I've often been told by people that are wiser than me that if we starve the flesh the spirit thrives fasting is about creating space for the spirit Creating space for God to speak into. And this is what I mean. I haven't done a tremendous amount of fasting, but I'm a foodie, okay? Which one makes fasting hard, but two means that when I remove food from my day, you know how much space there is? How much time I spend thinking about food. You would not believe the number of times that I've sat down, called my wife, texted my wife, and been like, hey, what are we going to eat? And then that's a 45 minute discussion at a bare minimum. You know how many times we've Googled food near me on Google? I've scrolled that page so many times. The amount of time I spend thinking about food, then the amount of time I spend preparing food, especially good food. I got a new cookbook for Christmas, and if you lay out a steak and let it come to, like, room temperature and then salt it, right, and then stick it back in the fridge for, like, six hours, magical things happen. (laughs) But here's the thing is that takes prep work, If I want a steak, I have to start the day before. Preparation. The amount of time I spend cooking food and then eating food and then cleaning up after food. If I remove all of that from my day, you know how much time there is just to focus on feasting on God's word. Or soaking in his presence. Or hearing him speak to me. Do I love food? Yes would it be reasonable for me to believe that God is just that much better? The other thing is that I think fasting sometimes brings us to the end of ourselves, where we feel tired, we feel fatigued, we feel worn down. And that's when God does amazing things. I'm learning this not with fasting from food, but we have a newborn, so I've been fasting from sleep for like two months, okay? And this is what I've learned. When I find the end of myself, two things happen. One, I continue to rely on myself and I do incredibly stupid things. Or I shift gears and I rely on God and amazing things come out of me that are never even of me. Because when that baby wakes up at 2.30 in the morning and I'm relying on me, I'm grumpy, I'm stupid, and I'm sarcastic. And none of those are helpful for my daughter or my wife. But when that baby wakes up at 2.30 in the morning and I decide that it doesn't matter that I'm tired, I'm gonna love them as Christ would love them, what kind of example of love does that breathe into my household? Because my, my need creates space for His provision. All of these spiritual disciplines, just to be like Him, just to be with Him. And they're not limited. You see, these are two that Jesus speaks on specifically here, but He teaches on others and He lives even more. There's spiritual distance like prayer and fasting, but there's also silence and solitude where we spend time, the introverts in this room, amen right here, you spend time by yourself just listening to God, fantastic. There's study, there's service, there's fellowship, guidance, meditation, celebration, Sabbath, how many of you guys in America's sped up culture just need a day of rest? Mm. Discernment, confession, secrecy, all of these things. Jesus meets us in, walks with us, and uses them to shape and craft our lives to meet the vision that he's cast for us. And it's all done within the guidance of the Holy Spirit, because he teaches us about these two here, but he's not done teaching. You see, Jesus didn't leave us alone. He left us with an advocate, somebody that teaches us, somebody that guides us, somebody that cares for us, somebody that inspires us and fuels us and pushes us on this journey. And that's what we need, amen? Because I can't do this by myself. This discipline is beyond me. And that's what I need. I need somebody to guide me, teach me, care for me. So that I can do the same for others. See, adulting is hard. I still do not have this thing figured out. I'm going to be 25 in April, which means that at some point I'm going to have to like start paying for my own bills and like, get insurance and all that awful thing. Um, but here's the deal. Adulting is hard. To, to learn, to, to teach yourself, to guide yourself, to care for yourself, that's hard work. And then God blessed me with a baby, okay? And thank gosh my wife is a part of this picture. But now we have to learn to teach, to guide, and to care for someone else. And I clearly don't even know what I'm doing for me. And so I started reading this incredibly complex book. It's called How to Be a Better Grown-Up. And it's amazing. You see, this is what the author did. The author started this journey, and he went around and he interviewed elementary schools from all over the United States, asking this question to kids. How could grownups be better? Do you want to know what chapter one was? Just show up. Just show up. Just be present. There's your last question, kiddos. How do you spend time with your parents? 30 seconds, ready to go. There's a million things to do and no time to do them. 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, there's never enough time. But the most important thing is presence. And here's the thing about God. When we seek Him and we're disciplined in finding Him, God shows up. When things are fantastic, God shows up. When things are awful, God shows up. When things are up and down and in between, and God shows up. You see, because it's all about Relationship when God casts this vision, it's not a business decision. It's not about how do we get to the end and that's it. This is a relationship. It's formed in love. And the relationship of love is transformational. Practice is impactful. Discipline prepares the way. But love desiring God and seeking to be with Him and to be like Him and to be in His presence, you see, that's revival. That's where it shifts from change to life, when that life is transformational and it fills us from the inside out. That's what spiritual disciplines are about. The freedom to live within that life that God has called us to. And sometimes... We think that that's complex, but the reality is sometimes it's very, very, very ordinary. You see, because spiritual disciplines, realistically, are just how we spend time with God. Is praying a spiritual discipline? Absolutely. Learn to speak to Jesus and to listen when He speaks. Is fasting a spiritual discipline? Absolutely. Create space in your life for Jesus? Yes. Yes. Is making your bed in the morning a spiritual discipline? Can you do it with Jesus? Is driving to work a spiritual discipline? Can you do it with Jesus? Is saying, hi, how are you? And then listening for the answer when you encounter new people a spiritual discipline. If you offer the love of Christ? Maybe. Maybe. You see, because this can be a very ordinary thing in the way that we spend time in the presence of God. God wants us to be transformed by his presence because that's what changes the world. That's what shifts from this life that I can live to the life that we should all be living, this reflection of his perfect image. And so here's some practical thoughts. If you're a mathematician, here's your formula. This is how practical life change works with spiritual disciplines. Three letters, V-I-M. Vision, intention, means. We prayerfully seek God's vision for our lives. We set the intention of, am I willing to want it? Am I going to will it into being? Do I desire it that much? And then means. What tools is God placing in my tool belt to use in this? If you want to be the kind of person that listens more, learn to listen when you pray. If you want to be the kind of person that loves well, learn to love first. If you want to be the kind of person that heals brokenness, accept healing in your own life. This is what it is to accept a vision and to set it into motion. This creates habits. This creates cycles and policies. And these are the kinds of things that set your life in order. Because sometimes what's necessary for something old and broken to be gone is to replace it with something new and beautiful. Because these are the rhythms that create lasting change. And here's where I'm at the season that I'm in, God has blessed me with amazing things amazing things of which I deserve almost none of them. And that frightens me because I love them so much I fear losing them. And so the vision for me right now is that I would be the kind of person that desires God even more than his blessing. It is so hard. It is so, and I hate crying. It is so hard and this is why because we love it so much This vision, I want it so bad Because when I desire God and I seek His presence It's more amazing than anything I can ever touch It's incredible and I've experienced it And I want more of it But here's the struggle is These blessings They mean so much too You see, because God has blessed me with an amazing wife That I want to serve and protect And I'm so afraid of losing her God has blessed me with an amazing daughter to to raise and to steward and to care for, and I don't want to lose her. And so here's what God's asking of me today. It's baby dedication day, and so today I get to hold my family in my hand, open, and say, God, I know that you love them more. I know that they're better in your hands and then make it a discipline in my life to hold them open and to, to lift them up every day that he would take care of them because I know he can better than I can. I'm an idiot half the day and stupid the other. I need him. I need him more than they need me, and that's a discipline for me to surrender that. And so I don't know where you're at today. As we move into this space of offering, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you have brokenness in your life that you just need to throw at the cross and leave there. I don't know if you have money in your wallet that you don't know what to do with. God needs it. I don't know what it is. If he wants your wallet, if he wants your heart, if he wants your time, your discipline. I don't know what he needs of you, but I know that you need it more. You need to say yes to Jesus in this space. You need to surrender your heart and pick up his. You need to accept healing in your brokenness. You need to cast a new vision for your life. That is the life that you need. The life that God desires for you. The life that brings life not just to you but to everybody around you. Because that's what God's about. And that's what he's always been about. That there would be new freedom. And that Pharaoh would let his people go that pain and struggle and tiredness and depression and anxiety would be no more let it go and that you would experience new freedom in your life today i don't know what he's asking of you but i would encourage you to listen god has a design for your life this life that you need and i promise you it's not out of reach Because the kingdom of God is at hand. He's already said yes. It's time to close the gap. You guys pray with me. Jesus, thank you so much for your love, for your power, for your grace, that you overwhelm us and overflow us with all that you are, God, just to be like you, just to be with you. Father, I don't know what more we could ask. But it wouldn't be worthy of that question. So, Father, take everything. Take all that we are and hold it in your hands, God. That every blessing that you offer to us, we would offer back as a blessing to you. Everything that you give us that overwhelms us would be overwhelming for the sake of your kingdom. Father, you're all about change, you're all about healing. Father, invite us into revival. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.